14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry From the Tanglewood Studios on the Baseball 101 Network, this is the Baseball 101 Go Six Podcast. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wasleger. And today we have a pretty good show for you. We are going to have a comprehensive look at prep schools, why a player or family should go to prep school, is prep school right for you, how you go about it, etc. We're going to have some Major League Baseball talk. And we are also going to do the playlist song of the week. So trying to continually uh, come at you every Wednesday with some episodes in between, some short, quick hitters uh, in between. But the weekly episodes will continue to come out every Wednesday. So wherever you are, thanks for following along. Thanks for listening. Tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Sitting here in coastal Maine, a place called Ocean Park, where I'm fortunate enough to be uh, for the last week or so. And it is challenging, to say the least, to keep busy. I think a lot of people in the first few days treat it as a snow day and uh, have time with their family and find things to do, like board games and reading, et cetera, et cetera. And there are many who can continually keep busy every day of the week. It's really tough without sports. I mean, without sports live on TV, it's been a challenge for me. One of the things I've been doing is I've been going on YouTube, watching YouTube on the smart TV, and I've just been picking a game from years past. Uh, the other day I watched the 1960 World Series Game 7. I watched the 1979 World Series Game 7. It's real, really pretty interesting to see what the announcers have to say about the players and, and those kinds of things. So that's provided some entertainment. I think what's even better is if you pick a game that you don't know the result and you actually watch along and, and uh, things like that. But there's, no, there's not even any commentary on ESPN anymore. Last week they had the NFL free agency, and they had quite a bit of people in studio talking about that, and it seemed current, it seemed live, it was pretty good. Now you really can't find anything on ESPN, and um, you know that that makes it pretty difficult. So, trying to keep busy in between, I'm trying to get workouts in. Can't go to the gym; gyms are closed. So, trying to get workouts in, uh, trying to stick with it, trying to not eat as much, and trying to maintain uh, you know the shape that I was in before this all happened. So extremely challenging um not to have sports and not to know when they're coming back is is hard but trying to keep it in perspective uh this is hopefully going to be over at some point there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel for my personal situation i'm with family i'm with my wife so that is uh fortunate i'm able to be here a couple blocks from the beach so i'm able to walk down to the beach walk on the beach walk the dog and a lot of uh lot of activity in between some of the indoor stuff so I think it makes it challenging for a lot of people who don't have those kinds of opportunities who maybe don't get along with their family that kind of thing but uh, 
it's not easy. Waking up every day, it's the same thing. It's almost like a view of what retirement might look like for me personally and not so sure if I'm in love with that idea yet. So trying to keep up with things, trying to keep busy and um, trying to get through this thing, trying not to listen too much to, I was just talking with a neighbor about this, trying not to listen too much um, to too much media because you don't know what to believe. Some people make you think that this thing is going to last a month or two. Some people make you think that it's going to last six months. Um, so it's it can be discouraging to listen to media, especially if you don't know what some of the motives are. Are they politically driven? Are they just giving us the facts? Whatever. So it's challenging for everybody. We say a lot of prayers for everybody every day that we can all get through this and that we continue to practice good citizenship and social distancing and keep our fingers crossed and stay together. Hopefully we get out of this thing soon. So when we come back, we're going to have a comprehensive look at prep schools. And I think it'll answer any questions that anybody might have about prep schools and uh, will be very helpful. Be back in a minute. Okay, welcome back to the Go Six podcast. Uh, this week's podcast is kind of a Q&A about prep schools slash boarding schools. I've been coaching at one for four years. I was an assistant for the first year, and I've been the head coach for the last three years at a place called Chote Rose Mary Hall. But with us now, I have my son, Tyler Wasleger, who has been the coach at the Hotchkiss School for the last seven years and actually is moving over to Westminster school starting in September. So he knows a lot more about uh, boarding schools and the ins and outs than I do. So thought we'd have him on. He was a high school player for us in East Hampton High, went on to have a Division One career, and has now turned that uh, into uh, helping, helping players, helping kids, and he's been a really good coach. So, Ty, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about prep schools today. So uh, when we recruit, one thing we'll, we'll cover a little bit is we recruit in, uh, as coaches in prep schools, boarding schools. And one of the things that always requires, not always, but many times requires an explanation is um, especially families who don't know much about prep schools, they want to know why should we send our son or daughter to prep school versus a public school. And I have my own answers for that, but you've been doing it longer than me. How do you explain to someone maybe that you're recruiting, or even if you're not recruiting, you're just having a conversation with somebody you know, why prep school versus public school for their son or daughter who's also an athlete? Yeah, great question. And it's one that a lot of people definitely have to ask themselves and possibly ask coaches and admission officers uh, when they go through the process. And there's a couple things that I would touch on. And I do I do speak about with recruits when they're here on campus uh, that come to mind first. Um, one would be at, at prep schools, your teachers are doing a variety of things. They're, they're typically teaching 
They're coaching. They are advisors to a small group of anywhere from seven to 10 students acting as, as a parent away from, from home. Um, and then they're, they're dorm faculty as well. So in, in many of these prep schools, there's a boarding option uh, where kids can, can stay in dorms and live on campus. And for the kids that are in those situations, and even for the kids that are going to boarding schools and are day students and go home and sleep in their own bed at night, they are given the opportunity to get to know teachers and teachers have the opportunity to get to know the kids so much better than at a typical public school or even a private Catholic school um, or something similar. And so what I mean by that is the teacher you have for math, for example, may also be the person who lives in an apartment or a home at the end of your dorm or somewhere on campus. And they also likely coach at the school and maybe you run into them as a coach at some level in one of the seasons. And that, that really helps develop the relationship between the adult and the student. So you're getting, you're getting the teacher in the classroom, you're getting somebody in the dorm at night that can, is there if you need to talk to them, is there if you need to get extra help at any time. And then you may get the coaching side of that as well, where you're developing as an athlete, you want to get in extra work in the morning or after practice, coach can either be there for you or um, advise you on what you should be doing. Um, you're living on campus, you have access to the weight room and the other facilities. Um, and that's a, a nice segue into the resources that are available uh, for students who go to a prep school. Um, these schools have a ton of different clubs, a ton of different co-curricular opportunities. So after school, um, you can play a variety of sports. They're often able to offer more sports than a public school or a smaller private school. Um, you can go, you can, you can study abroad, you can be in the theater program, um, do, do choral, you can play instruments. Um, and the great thing is that you're able to, if you're a really well-rounded kid, do all of those things and have time for them all at a, at a boarding school. Um, so it's, you know, in closing, it's a couple of things. It's, it's the, the adult student relationship that develops in, in a variety of facets. There's several different touch points throughout the day between kids and adults. Um, and then it's the resources that the schools offer that, um, unfortunately many public or smaller private schools cannot. So you can, you can be the star of the play. Uh, and also the starting quarterback on the football team, if you're that well-rounded and that talented. And I've seen it before. Um, and kids, kids who can do those kind of things, they thrive at boarding schools. Kids who want to do a little bit of everything and have the opportunity to not be, not be kind of pigeonholed into, into just being an athlete or just being an artist. Um, they can be both uh, and get to know their, their teachers and the faculty members and coaches really well. Uh, at the boarding schools. Yeah. And what I say uh, a lot of times is that because of all those things, all those resources, academically, athletically, um, it helps them in a lot of cases, especially if they're boarding with the transition to the next level college for both, both athletics, but, but more academic and socially. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that transition is is much easier. And also, uh, many times, you know, these places have reputations uh, with with college and universities. They have 
a pretty robust college admission office that develops those relationships with colleges and universities. And if you fit the profile of what, uh, you know, the, the, the really high academic schools might be looking for, um, it's a good opportunity for you to um, get noticed and, and have a really good education um, and a good experience. And the, the college and the universities know, all right, he, he or she is going to be able to handle the time management, the academics, because they're coming from a really well-known boarding school. So that's, that's another piece to that, that I think um, maybe sometimes is more important to parents, but, but kids too, is the college placement that comes out of uh, attending a boarding school. Yeah. And it seems that the, the family and certainly the student who wants more, who looks at the huge picture uh, pretty broadly as opposed to just uh, narrowly like a local high school or whatever, because there's so many of those things offered and so much upside, um, it's a benefit. But but you're also talking about a family that has to buy into a student who is hopefully super ambitious, wants to be involved in a lot of those things and, and is able to take advantage of it. So if you're, let's say you're a high school student who just likes to stay in his lane and your family kind of likes the local, um, education, the local high school really are very happy with that, then a prep school might not be for you. Correct. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's definitely not for everyone, but for the kids that that want to be challenged and and seek to the opportunities that are provided at these places, it, it may be a fit. So, it, yeah, again, it's it's not for everyone, but it's it's always worth, in my opinion, at least going to visit, see campus, and then maybe taking the next step and going through the interview and the application process. Yeah. Now. Something that comes up a lot, and uh, again, families ask mostly, is um, uh, about reclassifying or PGing. So, reclassifying is essentially repeating a grade, and PGing is PG stands for postgraduate. So, postgraduate is is a student who finishes high school and wants to do an additional year of boarding school or a day student prep school um, before they go to college. Tell me about reclassifying and why that might be a good thing for someone. Sure. So for the kids who do the fifth year or what we're calling the postgraduate year, um, that is often due to uh, during, depending on what sport they're playing, but during the prime recruiting year for many sports, that's the junior year, uh, they may have been injured or not performed the way that they thought they, they were capable of. And so it comes to be their senior year at their high school. They're not committed anywhere. They're not getting the interest they would have liked. So what the postgraduate year does is it gives them an extended time frame to be recruited. Um, additionally, it can, it can boost academics. Maybe the, the, the transcript isn't as good as the kid would have liked one bad grade, one, one mess up in a class, something unfortunate happened, or maybe not so great on standardized testing. Uh, you buy yourself an additional year to get the, the standardized testing up the transcript to be better. You put, um, a really good academic school on the transcript and, and colleges and universities tend to like that. 
Um, and then as a, if you're, if you're not going the PG route and you're just reclassifying, like you and I run into kids who a, a common one is to repeat the 10th grade. Um, typically that is because your birthday falls, uh, on such a date that you're considered to be young for your age. Uh, and so by reclassifying, you know, you've gone through typically eighth or ninth grade, sometimes even 10th grade. And, and you and your parents uh, think about reclassifying to not be so young for your grade. And, and when you reclassify, maybe put you in a different recruiting class for your sport. And maybe that changes the way college coaches will, will look at you. So typically, um, sometimes ninth graders repeat the ninth grade. Typically, 10th graders repeat 10th. Once in a while, you get a repeat 11. But um, the, the repeat 10 is important because it gives you an opportunity to go to a boarding school or to transfer. If you're going to be a day student at a boarding school, gives you a year to acclimate to time management, the academics, the social life before the super important 11th grade year when standardized testing is big, when classes get a little bit tougher and grades are ultra important. Um, so that's why you often see the repeat tens out there. Uh, but repeating generally, generally somebody's young in their, for their grade. And there's typically um, either a social maturity piece to it or an athletic piece that uh, it makes sense to, to go into the next year's recruiting class um, for college coaches. Yeah, and so and for people who don't know out there, so we can have PGs, postgraduates, we can have them on our teams. So, for example, baseball, um, this past year I had one. This coming year, uh, next year, I'll have three potentially. And so depending upon the school, you can have um, a – certain number of postgraduates football teams for example may be allowed to have six postgraduates on their team so athletically when you are competing in our league for example you are competing against not only nine through 12th graders but you're competing against pgs as well and that um that puts the competition competition level a little bit higher right yeah, absolutely. I think you and I have talked about it before. In some ways, it's a hybrid between a typical 9 through 12 high school, whether it be public or private, and, and college baseball um, or college, any sport for that matter, because of the variable that's thrown in that is postgraduates and some sports uh, have a handful of them, takes the level of play up a notch. You have many times you have committed or soon to be committed athletes who are 18 and 19 years old competing and that that takes the level of play up a notch you're seeing more in baseball more consistently better pitching uh the hitters are stronger uh and many of these guys are going on to play collegiately and they're they're spending an extra year in, on your team and making the team and the league and the quality of play that much better yeah absolutely so the family that's listening to this or the family that we talk to, it all sounds fantastic. I have a son or daughter who's a high achiever. I want more for them. I want the ability uh, for them to get involved in so many other things that school like um, yours has to offer, let's say. Uh, 
but then of course it comes down to for some of them what is it going to cost us and um not necessarily getting into numbers because it, they're pretty expensive i mean let's let's face they're going to be more obviously they're going to it's it's a it's a tuition so it's different than public school um so they're going to be pretty expensive most boarding schools most most private prep schools but a lot of there's a misnomer out there a lot of people think they're scholarships Tell me why that's yeah, not necessarily yeah, true. So most of the the elite uh, boarding schools are all need-based financial aid. So you submit typically two years of tax returns and some other information. Uh, they, there's, a, there's a dedicated, usually a couple of people in an admission office that take a look at your, your family's financial profile, and they determine based on your finance, your finances, what you can afford to pay at the school. So it doesn't matter if you're the next star hockey player at a school or a really strong academic student who um, is a really talented musician. They're looking at the, your financial profile, they're crunching numbers, and they're figuring out what you can or can't pay and coming up with an amount that they may deem necessary to make things work for you to come to the school and financial aid, or in some cases they say, you know, it looks like you can, you can afford to pay the full tuition. So we'd love to have you, we'll accept you. Um, but there's not going to be any financial aid that we're going to be giving to you. And, and that's difficult for some people to come to terms with. Um, I think many times information gets skewed and a kid does get money, but it's because it's totally need-based and it's not based on their their athletic ability. And then, you know, parents talk and the next thing, you know, um, word is out that Johnny got a scholarship because he's a really good football or hockey or basketball or whatever it is, um, player. And that's completely false. There are certain levels of schools. They're typically not the highest rated academically that do do merit based scholarships. And they have a little bit more uh, flexibility in terms of who they give money to and is it need-based, sometimes it's not. Um, so there is a certain level of truth to that, let's be clear, but it is typically not at the Choates, the Westminsters, the Hotchkisses, places of that level of academia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the so a lot of times it's semantics. It's parents talking at a little league game or a basketball game or something and and uh, one hears about a scholarship and assumes it's athletic. So that's a good explanation of, of why it's not necessarily, um, in most cases, it's not necessarily uh, a scholarship. So yep. That, that being said, let me just add on to that for families who might be listening that are, um, that are thinking about the, the intimidating cost of, of these places You'd be surprised at how much money your family has to make in order to not qualify for financial aid. So every school is slightly different, but in general, you need to be making a significant amount of money between you and your spouse in order to not qualify for financial aid. So even, even the families that make a good chunk of money, uh, boarding school is expensive, and so are all the different things that they might be doing in life, especially if they have multiple children who are in, in college or, or in boarding school as well, and they often will get some money. So um, it's always worth, my advice is it's always worth 
applying and filling out the financial aid application and seeing what the school you're applying to comes up with. And then you can sort of work off of that and see if you can make it work for your family. Yeah. And the discussions that I've had with some families are, are just what you said, and you'd be surprised at how much financial aid there is out there. So if this is really something you're interested in and really something that you think would be great for your son or daughter, um, you should pursue it. You should apply and, and see what happens. And then the other thing is, even if you end up where you're paying uh, tuition, m- maybe more than you thought because you didn't maybe get as much financial aid as you thought, sometimes that can be a really good investment. Sometimes it can be a really good investment because down the road, there's an academic or an athletic scholarship that is earned at the college level. And it's sort of an investment. One of my recent recruits who played for us, you know, that's how his family looked at it. They made a sacrifice. They made the investment. And on the other, on the backside of it, they got some accepted to college and got, um, got, uh, some scholarship money out of it. So it was, uh, it was good for them. Absolutely. So I have a son or daughter. I'm interested in doing this. What's, what's like the timeline look like of, you know, let's say I have a ninth grader going to be a, let's say I have a sophomore. I have a sophomore uh, who's completing a sophomore year this June. Um, what would be my timeline? Yeah, good as question. Far as, like, as far as like applying, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So typically um, middle to end of September is when the admissions offices at these places will begin to uh, take appointments for visits. And those visits typically include a about a 20 or 25 minute interview with an admissions officer. It's a pretty laid back conversation just to find out more about the uh the student who's applying and there's a brief, brief interview with mom or dad or whatever parent is in attendance just to get a feel for the family's view of, of boarding school and find out why they might be interested. Um, that visit also includes typically a, a tour of campus. Uh, and then you, you go, you have until the middle of January, this year was January 15th. Uh, to submit an application. The application includes things like your transcript, your standardized test scores for kids who have taken the SAT or the ACT. It would be one of those two. For younger kids, 8th, ninth, and 10th graders, it would be the SSAT, which is sort of the younger version of the SAT. And it's, um, it's, uh, tailored to the grade that the student is in. So an eighth grader's test is not the same as a student who's in 10th grade. Uh, so the application includes a standardized testing, the transcript, usually about three recommendations from teachers. I think there might be a personal rec that could be a coach or somebody in that kid's life um, who can speak about them. Uh, and then those applications get in by January 15th. The admissions office spends a whole lot of time uh, reading those applications. Several people in admission in the admission office take a look at applications, not just one person. Uh, and by March 10th, the decision is made from the school on whether or not that applicant has been admitted or not. And it can be 
you can be admitted, you can be waitlisted, or you can be denied. Uh, and that March 10th date is, is pretty much the same date uh, for all Northeast boarding schools. Uh, and typically, um, most kids decide sooner than April 10th, but April 10th is the date in which you must give your decision to the schools you've been admitted to. So you get into five or six schools. Uh, if you're a baseball recruit, for example, I know most coaches would like to know sooner than April 10th so they can sort of figure out their recruiting class uh, based on who's coming and who's not. Uh, but April 10th is the day that the last day the school accepts decisions from you and then they start moving on to wait list uh, and, and further and further down that wait list, uh, if, especially if they haven't heard from you and you've been accepted, they consider it uh, that you're going elsewhere and they, they move on. So three key, key dates there, January 15th, the application's due, uh, March 10th, the decision comes out to you and your family, and April 10th is when you return uh, with your decision to the schools you, you were accepted to. Yeah, and to start the whole process, a lot of times it's an email to you, you know, the coaching staff, you or I, and um, we get a lot of those emails. So probably the best, my suggestion is the best way to get a hold of us sometimes is um, email us. Maybe send a video clip if you have video, short and sweet. Sometimes in a, a young seventh grader, uh, sorry, eighth grader who wants to start his prep school in ninth grade doesn't feel comfortable yet and that's okay. So hearing from the parents in that case is fine. As they get older, it's better and better if the, if the student athlete sends the email to the coach and maybe includes again, a video clip and then, um, follows up on that. And we'll usually look at almost every email we get and especially the videos that we get. Right, Ty? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that advice. Uh, you send, you send along, uh, a little bit of a note. And if you have video, even if it's cell phone video, of you taking some swings or if you're a pitcher, uh, your motion and some pitches and then a little bit of defense would be great too. And we get hundreds of emails. So it's helpful to be able to uh, shorten to the point email uh, where you're from, where you go to school now, why you're interested in, in the school that you're reaching out to. And then a video and typically uh we go from there it never hurts to follow up if you haven't heard from us but that's uh i would agree with that advice it starts with an email and then hopefully evolves into uh a visit to the school to see campus uh get a tour do your interview and and maybe end up applying yeah absolutely so i think that gives us and gives our listeners out there a pretty uh comprehensive a to z prep school why how do we do it uh, are we right for it type of thing. You can always find out more by investigating the school, talking to the coaching staff and things like that. But hopefully this was a really helpful se segment. You've been doing this longer than I have. So um, I leaned on you for that information and it was all really well said. So um, I think it gives people a really clear picture of what prep school slash boarding school is about and why they should or shouldn't. So really appreciate you coming on. Hope you're uh safe. We're doing this, uh, remotely. So I'm in Maine and you're back in Connecticut and, uh, it's, it's great to have you on, on the line and talking about this stuff. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed being on and talking a little bit about 
boarding schools and why they they might be an option for some families and hopefully in the future we can we can do it again and and expand on this topic or maybe move on to something else but hopefully the listeners get a little bit out of this and it can answer some questions for them if they're thinking about going through the process yeah and based on being able to interact with the show hopefully we'll get some questions and comments about it and we can address those in future episodes so thanks again man i'll talk to you later all right sounds good thank you all right bye so that's Ty Wasleger, my son, coach of the Hotchkiss School at the moment, moving on to Westminster School, shed some really good light on uh, prep schools for us, and uh, we appreciate him coming on. And when we come back, Major League Baseball talk. It's time for our segment, Major League Baseball Talk, conversation and commentary about the league where they play for pay. So let's talk about the National League and potential winners of the National League based on predictions, based on actually a company called Sportsline Projection Model that does a uh, odds type of thing on who will win the National League, but we could all sit here and guess easily without looking at odds, but the Dodgers are plus 110, the Braves are plus 850, and the Mets are also plus 850, and the Nationals are plus 900. Um, this sports line projection model simulates every major league game 10,000 times. So anyone who followed them last year and bet saw pretty good returns. The model went 370 and 291 on its top-rated MLB money line, and run line picks returning more than $1,400 to $100 for betters. So they say the Mets are dramatically overvalued in the latest uh, National League championship odds. They only see them winning the pennant in 4.5% of simulations. And while they have Jacob deGrom two-time Cy Young Award winner, and I think he'll be consistent. I think he'll have another really good year. Uh, and Pete Alonzo coming back, I think he'll be offensively productive. I don't know if he'll hit 53 home runs. I, I actually doubt it, but their question marks are Jonas Cespedes. He's 34 years old, didn't play at all last year. He's played 38 games in the last two years because of injuries. Who knows what he has. Robinson Cano coming off a year in which he got 39 RBIs in 107 games. Not good. Edwin Diaz was brutal uh, as a closer, so we'll see if he can turn it around. I actually think he can turn it around. So um, he, combined with Dellen Batances, might be really good, but 
Yet again, those are question marks. So the question marks uh, with the Mets create an overvalued situation according to this sports line simulation. If I'm a betting guy, which I'm really not, but if I'm a betting guy, I'm taking the Dodgers. The reason why I'm taking the Dodgers to win the NL is because, first of all, they're probably sitting back thinking now, boy, this is our chance this season, and we might not even have a season. I think they're going to be really hungry if we have a season, whether it's 80, 90, or 100 games, and I think they're going to be um, nasty in that kind of a situation with a shortened season. And if they get to the postseason, especially to the World Series, I think they have the experience, obviously, and... You know, knowing that when they played the Astros, they were they now know they were at a disadvantage. I think they're going to be free and easy. I think they're going to blow through the league. I think they're going to blow through the playoffs. And I can see them facing somebody like the Yankees in the World Series, which from a talent standpoint will be pretty evenly matched. But I think the Dodgers will, will end up uh, winning the World Series, especially in a shortened season. They're going to be fun to watch. And this could be ultimately... Because of a shortened season, if fingers crossed we have one, it could be an amazing Major League Baseball season. It could be really something that they look at in the future because it'll generate a lot of interest because there's uh, much fewer games. So it puts a little bit more important on each importance on each game. And I think we might see, if we have a season, the best season we've ever seen. So welcome back to the show. Hey, remember, you can email us at go6podcast at yahoo.com. That's go, the numeral six, podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FrozenRope8. That's at FrozenRope8. And either of those things, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can give a shout out to your team or buddies on your team or whoever. Um, and we'd love to incorporate that into the show. Also, if you're listening on the Anchor podcast or the Apple podcast, you can tap the message button and leave an audible message and we'll incorporate that right into the show. So again, that can be the form of a shout out to your teammates, a comment or a question. So the playlist song of the week is a song that we suggest every week that you add to your playlist. And I've said this before, but I'll mention it again. We can't play it on our podcast because of copyright restrictions, but we like to suggest a song every week that maybe you can go Google or download from wherever you get your music from and add it to your playlist. And this week's song is by the Zach Brown Band and not what you're probably used to. But this is a kind of intense rock and roll song called Heavy is the Head That Wears the Crown. Look it up. It's a pretty motivational song uh, that you can obviously work out to or listen anytime. But uh, add it to your playlist. Think you'll enjoy it. So that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Please tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Stay tuned because we'll continue to do our short special edition podcasts in between the weekly podcasts. So I'm going to keep at it, try to get 1% better, and can't wait to be with you next time.